Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of The Soccer Scene with myself, Adrian Finnan, joined once again by Noel O'Connor um, and joined by a special guest this evening, John O'Shea of The Echo in Cork, as we preview 3D United versus Cove Ramblers at the Markets Field on Friday evening. Um, John, it's fair to say, considering the unbeaten start, uh, Cove have had confidence must be high in Colvin's Park. Yeah, I think there's definitely, uh, I'd say, definitely a sense of even quite kind of confidence or optimism compared to the last couple of seasons, really, you know. Um, but I, I think even even before a ball was kicked in terms of like down with the Kerry game a couple of weeks ago, I'd say there was definitely, I'd say there was kind of satisfaction that like, though they, they were pre-season, even like in pre, they, they had gone fairly well and they were fairly pleased with the preparations and the camp. And I think it was obvious as well, you know, in terms of the, the signings that they made and the in terms of strengthening the squad, though it's, it's probably... One of the it's by the strongest squad they've they've had in quite a number of years there really. So if you look at the additions they made and around it, and one or two pretty kind of like maybe the draw surprise maybe they might copy by surprise or they were definitely high quite high kind of profile additions to the team. But like you, you could even see in the early days like you know there's definitely a real sense that they're a lot a lot more kind of solid and they're they're, they're going to be much tougher to beat and I'd say they mightn't be like a Maybe as maybe for other teams they might be perceived maybe to be as much of the uh, maybe a pushover as they might have been maybe in previous the last couple of seasons this year for sure. Yeah, we did know allude to early on in the in the campaign or sorry early on in our podcast previewing the season that we obviously expected Cove you know to to be much more competitive, not just considering their signings, but it felt like the only way as John alluded to earlier was up. For um for for Cove Ramblers from last season, so I know it's only three games in, but you know I suppose I'm not overly surprised that they they have picked up results early on. They've had a great start, and you know we saw what happened halfway through the season last year when I think the chairman probably felt that you know a change of manager was was what they needed, and it may or well may well have been or not what they needed, but. I think he expected the results, you know, to improve with a change of manager, and, and I suppose they didn't really. And then we heard a rallying call for, you know, financial support from the community or people to come on board. So that kind of led me to believe that he knew that, you know, someone had to put their hands in their pockets and maybe make the budget a bit bigger. That's obviously happened. And, uh, you know, there's three or four off the top of our heads, you know, good players gone down. A couple of lads from Galway is a Charlie Lyons and and uh, Jack Doherty of, of Waterford and Wexford, which probably was the most surprising even geographically, um, seems to have had a good start. I think they got a good experienced keeper in as well. And, you know, those three or four players make a massive difference to um, to a team and allied that to a good start. Um, they're certainly going to be a handful um, for, for the next few games. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose to... to... Looking back at the game, I did see a vast majority of the game actually on Saturday evening, John. Um, and I did see, you know, Cove. There was quite surprisingly enough, I didn't think Cove would do this, but they're basically playing four four two with leaving Jack Darty right up next to Wilson Waru for their games. I expected maybe Darty to play a bit deeper, but he seems to be right up next to Waru for for those um for those games. And they go quite direct Cove um from from back to front in terms of trying to get the ball to their two more creative players in Waru and and Darty as well. Um, they didn't play particularly well on the night. I must say in terms of keeping possession and and the likes. But you know, I suppose Shane Keegan will look at it as saying they didn't play well, but they got a nil all draw away from home. Yeah, I think exactly, and I think too. I was even just reading comments from in the in the today's examiner as well. 
from the game after the game Longford, he was saying that, that those kind of tight games, even when he came in towards the end of like the second half of last season, though those kind of tight games or high games that Cove were losing last year. So the fact that even even to go up to Longford and to even just come away with a point is so it's it's probably an overall it was a positive. Um it was good just to get the get the draw, they get to get these points that the, the Cove necessarily won't get in last year. And I think a, a big part down to that, like up in Longford, but even in throughout the, the three games so far. I think you you can even see the signs of already that the, the experience that's been brought into the into the into the team, especially in the back line, like Lee Stacey in, in goal as well. He's a real commanding presence and like his his experience in the league um it, it's going it's going massive for, 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 for Cove this season and obviously someone who knows how to get promoted, obviously through his time with, with Langford Town and he was on the and the PFI, like the first division team of the season in twenty nineteen. But the, 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 that that solidity at the back it looks like there is a lot more solid foundation there this season. You know, um, Charlie Lyons as well coming back was a, was a was a big addition to the club as well in, in the centre back and himself and um, Brendan Frattle looked like they have the makings of a very solid um, partnership and that that's going to be very important going forward as well. I think another player and possibly one of Cove's best players in Longford um, last week was um, a fullback, Keen uh, Brown, um, who's come yeah. from the Marfer like, Ville FC and you know obviously win, win uh, even the FAI Junior Cup. That kind of experience, you know, he's coming in. I think he was in Warford's underage setup, was it actually a couple of years ago? But the fact he's coming from that that, that kind of level of football, like the, the like FAI Junior Cup, the, the, you know, there's something big on the line. So like that 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 that, that you're coming like from like from men's football in, into into League of Ireland. But um, you know, he looks like he he's he's impressed so far. Like he's kind of caught the eyes in terms of bombing up and down down the flanks from the fullback positions. And like you know, there there definitely seems to be a lot more of a, a structure to the core of this year, and it's definitely clear that um that that they're, they're kind of benefiting like from from a full off season and a, a full pre season for Shane Keegan under his belt as well. Yeah, Noel, I think I suppose you'd understand this really, and and John just alluded to it there. You'd understand that the benefit of starting as early as possible, particularly I suppose Shane Keegan would have known Noel that there was an absolute huge body of work to be done uh, with Cove, as we know. But I do remember. Uh, very early January I think Cove won the first if not the first League of Ireland side I saw playing friendlies and I think they must have had six or seven games um, obviously Shane Keegan felt that was that was vitally important Noel, and it seems to be benefiting them early on in the, in the season Absolutely and I think the the key for them you know we're talking about going to Longford and they may not we don't really know yet but they may not be the Longford team of old if you like yeah. Although, you know, they have certainly started very well, was that they kept their unbeaten run going. Like we said, their first game away to Kerry was always going to be a, a tricky game, you know, with such a a level of excitement with Kerry. You know, they were seemed to get the job done very, very professionally. And they followed that up with a, a really good home win against Wexford. You know, another team that, you know, while they've lost a good few players, have recruited some uh, some good players as well. So I think he'll be really happy with that. I think you're right. I think they played about seven preseason games, including uh, Munster Senior Cup games. And even the results, it wasn't even just playing the games. The results seemed to be pretty good overall. And obviously that gave them a level a level of consensus. But there's no doubt that the actual re- recruitment side and the players that he's brought in, you know, the ones we even know are ones that we knew that were going to go straight into the first 11. And obviously make an improvement and there seems to be four or five of those kind of players after coming in and that certainly augurs well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and an interesting enough uh, stat, I suppose, John, that I looked at is 
I, I feel Cove will be will be desperate to, to pick up a, a win, not just a draw against Treaty on Friday night, because they haven't actually beaten Treaty in the first two seasons of, of Treaty's existence. So very much so like Treaty not being able to beat Galway and having that uh, bogey team on your back. It's like that for Cove as well uh, with Treaty United. So I'd say there's a, there's a bit of, a, I wouldn't say desperation, but definitely a lot of motivation within the Cove camp probably to put that right. Yeah, I think I I think so, and I think probably going to places like the markets feel, and it, it's probably across the league generally as well. I think there's probably they might feel like they probably haven't like especially the players who probably would have been, would have been there in the last season or two. They mightn't maybe they, they feel they have a point to prove and just to to show this level that they're they're capable of um getting the results that justify them being a team maybe that should be quite higher up the league and possibly even challenging for for a playoff spot as well. You know, but I think definitely. You could see that I think there definitely seems to be that creative spark there, and even from set pieces like Jack Doherty, so he like he was a, he was a fantastic addition to get into the club really. So when we when we suppose in word filter true that he was kind of leaving mix for last year, I'd say a lot of people would have thought it was a Munster club that he was going to go to. It probably would have been Warford or or even Cox City in in Premier Division football. So like it was a big statement I think for Cove like in terms of their intent to to be much more competitive in the. In the playoff picture to get a player of his um of his caliber in as well, and like you know it it, it does excite, but not even like the the the, the likes of Weirdo and Jack Doherty. I think there's a few young players as well that that, that could definitely um have a big campaign this year, like like Tyrone O'Brien as well, who um who's gone to score to down Kerry. Uh, like he was he was in he's still eligible actually to play for the under 19s and Cove as well. He looks like a guy who could have um a big campaign. He looks a good threat up front and um. They got a, a, a he could potentially make his debut in Treaty. Uh, Claudio Osorio, who's after coming in loan from um Reading, uh, he, and he actually played for Reading's first team, I uh, think in the in the Carabao Cup in the last year or two as well. And he played under underage for England, so there's definitely I think he's probably coming over, hoping to maybe kind of reignite his career potentially and go up the up the ranks and in the English football leagues, but. So like it's definitely it's definitely a move there that could benefit both parties in terms of the player and co. So it'll be exciting to see how, how, how he how, how he does and how he gets on. But uh, yeah, I think overall that I think the squad that's there they're, they're going to go up. I think and there's a belief I think that 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 they can get results off them most teams in the division and they'll be hoping to hopefully get a result now on on Friday against Treaty. Yeah, and admittedly, John, I haven't seen much of um Shane Keegan um in terms of interviews and the likes. But I'm assuming just because of how open the division is, maybe especially from below Galway, maybe Waterford, below maybe Brett. So between the positions anyway of third to eighth or ninth in this league, realistically, it is wide open. I, I assume uh, a playoff challenge is, is definitely minimum for Shane Keegan and his squad now. I, I think with the squad that's there, I think there's there's definitely no reason why they shouldn't at least be looking to... To be challenging even for the fourth place or fifth place and, and those particular positions and, and those playoff spots. But uh, like definitely one thing from, from talking to Shane Keegan in, in the off season and then from even listening to other like in 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 his kind of media interview so far as well, um over the last couple of months, that he that he was kind of saying the targets, like even that at, at the very minimum, like to be going into the last stage of the season. The, the core should be if they're not in the playoff spot, it's it's something that's still achievable for them, because like in the last couple of seasons, like like especially the last the last year or two, they they've had essentially like the, the evening shipments when he came in last year, well, like the the season was effectively over in terms of trying to compete. Like obviously when there's no relegation from the first division, 
and and they were too far behind realistically at that stage to, to to kind of mount the challenge for the playoffs. So I would definitely think going into the final quarter or the final maybe five ten games of the season, they I'd say the minimum target for them for them would be to definitely to to be at least be in in the hunt for a playoff spot. But I think definitely and, and I think the early results maybe have, have shown it across the league as well. You know, and I think it depends out obviously obviously Galway and Waterford um in 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 the Waterford have got maybe a, a bit of a, a blip so far, but like that you you would expect the two full time teams maybe ultimately will kind of it go towards the top of the table, but then I think after that that it, it is as you say it's going to be a wide open division, but I think definitely Cove if they if they are solid at the back and if they can take their chances at the other end of the field like there's definitely. I'd say there's no reason so far that they, there's no reason why they shouldn't be thinking like a playoff spot is um something that's not achievable because it definitely looks like something that 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 could be a that should be a realistic target especially how, given how wide open the division is going to be and like a lot of teams are going to take points off each other right throughout the season by the looks of it. Yeah, absolutely, Noel. I know that myself and yourself in our uh, pre-season predictions don't have Cove in the playoff uh, spots. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think they'll be be challenging for it. Uh, do you believe, like similar to John, that you know it should be a minimum uh, expectation that they should be probably? I suppose if you're looking at the last season, be in a position like Wexford maybe, where they're within you know reaching distance in the last three four games of the season. Yeah, I think so, and I think look, you know, we spoke about Wexford improving last year, and I said how difficult it is to improve by four or five places. You know, and we're asking Cove now to do the same thing. And uh, look, just to mention one, Jack Darty, and obviously he's a very, very good player. But I suppose if you are going to have a, a caveat over him, it's you know his ability to do it over over a whole season or to be consistent week in, week out. You know, to create and score goals. And I think that he's yet to, he has yet to do that really. You know, to propel a team, if you like, into the playoffs or into the top five, and that's probably the challenge for him. And and. And a few more players, you know, and and you're you're just spot on in terms of I think the one, two, three in a round will be Waterford, Galway, and Bray, and after that, you know, it's it's a real toss of a coin, and a team could be fourth or or seventh or eighth, and I think there will be a lot of teams still fighting for a couple of um playoff places, you know, when we do get into that final series of games, and I would expect Cove to be there thereabouts, but you could be fourth or fifth one day and end up seventh or eighth as well, so. It's it's very hard to call, you know. They've had a good start, which is great. It's a long season, we know that. And uh, as I said, some of these guys just have to show that they can do it over um over a full season. Yeah, absolutely. I know, obviously, that John, uh, another team that had a draw, three D United drew with Kerry. Um, we'd probably see that as a disappointing result, particularly the fact that Kerry went down to to ten men after an hour as well. And that game, the the one positive was then the Curran got off the score sheet. Um, he's going to be a big danger, and that's obviously one of the key battles as well, isn't it? Kern against both Lions and Frahill at centre back. Another battle where you know that I, I think will be quite important could even be, as you said, Tiernan O'Brien, who has had a really good start uh, for Cove Rambles both in pre season and this season, particularly in the first two games. I was very impressed with him in the first half against Wexford, uh, in particular at St. Collins Park. So, himself and uh, up against Mark Ludden with, with all the experience Ludden has. Um, you know, obviously we'll be hoping to shackle him, but that could be an, an interesting battle too, as well as also on the other side of the uh, of the field, considering Treaty's problems at, at right full back in the last game or two, uh, it could be a, an opportunity for for both wingers to cope to to make a, a an impact in the match field. Well, oh yeah, it's absolutely. You know, it's um, 
So there's going to be a number of intriguing kind of battles right, right across the pitch, like as, um, as you alluded to there, like the um, by the way, and especially with style, like you and even there's, there's in terms of the managers as well, possibly on their day, like to if you're listing the top managers in the league, I think you the likes of Shane Key and especially Tommy Barrows, what he's done with Treaty, they definitely would be kind of near the top end of your list for, for sure. But um, yeah, and I think even with, with Treaty as well, another point that'll be interesting as well that there's a lot of there's a lot of players as well who would be familiar with, with Cove and with like with Cove interest in the side as well. They're like 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 Anto O'Donnell, who's um who's kind of really established himself as a as a as a fan's favourite in Treaty. Mm. Um the the likes of Lee Devitt, who's uh, who probably was really underrated when he was at Cove, to be honest. He was in he, he was very consistent and he was definitely a reliable operator when he was there. Uh, and then obviously the goal in, in goals with Shane Hallen, I think who who played yeah, down in Kerry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I think he, he actually I think he's from he's from Co- I think he's from Cove as well uh, Cove native so like uh, yeah there'll be a lot of um there's definitely a lot a lot of kind of in, on both sides as well there'll be there'll be definitely a few kind of intriguing battles on on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely, and, and thanks to yourself, John, for for joining us uh, to talk all things Cove and and give a quick preview to the game on Friday. Obviously, we hope that Three D United will will come out on top, but um. Uh, th- thank you once again, John, and, and I hope we will be just uh, talking about uh, Cove Ramblers with you again at some stage throughout the season. Perfect. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me on, lads. John. Without further ado, we must uh, discuss all things and focus all things at 3D United. Um, I suppose that we have to start, Noel, with the draw with Kerry FC. I was actually on a, a local radio show uh, a couple of hours ago, and when I was thinking back about the game, obviously on the night, I was quite disappointed uh, with with the result, I, I suppose. No, the reason I was more disappointed was was the fact that the circumstances uh, behind it, as you said, you know, Kerry down to ten men after sixty minutes, and and Entreaty didn't make that numerical advantage count. I know they had chances, maybe a couple of chances burned. Um, you know, Alec Byrne had a half chance. Martin Coughlin had a, a free header, and and Conor Barry blazed over as well. Um, but but you know, I suppose would would you agree that it was. You know, a game where it was two points dropped rather than a point gained. Yeah, I think there's no doubt they'll <clears throat> they would have felt that it was it was two points dropped. Um I think it was the first half really was their undoing in that thought they had a lot of really, really good chances uh in the first half. It was a very open game. I thought Kerry were quite naive in the way they were playing in terms of the amount of frees that they were giving away. I thought they were indisciplined, maybe over enthusiastic and you know, with the crowd and the naivety uh, for them. There's so many players that haven't played in the league before. And, um, you know, you you have to have a cool head. And uh, particularly sometimes the way they attacked, I thought they left their, their defence very open on a few occasions, particularly as we said already, and I, they won't mind you saying us that the two centre-halves wouldn't be the quickest. Mm. Um, particularly the left full, I thought, um, you know, that they look, they look very open. And I felt that that was... Uh, Treaty's time, you know, to um to capitalize on that and maybe to to subdue the crowd, but then the opposite happened in terms of Kerry going in front, and even even when Treaty equalized, I thought they could have done a lot more. Say, you know, I needed probably to go after them straight away and try and put the game to bed nearly, if you like, and they didn't. You know, they just left them hanging there, if you like, and uh, the most disappointing thing for me was the fact that you know Treaty. We're playing with an extra man for the last half an hour, and you know you do you do speak about chances there. And look, I don't think they were actually really guilty of chances that they created. I thought they created very little in that. 
in that half an hour. I thought they didn't play like they should have played, you know, against a team that only had 10 men. They didn't get enough width in the pitch, didn't get after the, the carry full backs. They needed to get more crosses in. We spoke about how effective um, Ender Corn is when he's in the opposition penalty box. Uh, does really when there's balls coming in from, from wide areas yet. You know, even the substitutions, you know, we're kind of removing those options first in terms of um, Willie Armstrong going off. And then as the game went on, you know, your two highest goal scorers from the last 12 months, you know, with, with 30 goals between them. And, you know, at that crucial part of the game, the two of them are sitting on the bench and you're just wondering where the goal is going to come from. Yeah, that is, I suppose that's the biggest concern really, Noel, isn't it, uh, from the first three games in that, Three, they've obviously scored one goal. I did mention that it was a positive that that in the current score. Um, but looking at you know chance creation, I, I know that a lot of maybe three D fans were saying that they you know created a few chances against Bray. I didn't see the bombardment that some three D fans saw in the night. To be honest with you, uh, although they were on top for maybe a twenty minute period in that second half. But overall, that's probably a concern, isn't it? Um, you know the 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 lack of chances created, but I suppose also like when you look at the chances of the first half, uh, Dean George maybe should have probably scored two goals and and didn't. So that that as I said a couple of times already, that it's a concern early on. Yeah, and that was the one I felt. Uh, there was one time he seemed to have the freedom of the park there. The ball was switched yeah. out out to the left. I know it's sometimes it's difficult to watch it on the on the camera to get a, a real sense of who's around, but. Seemed to have the freedom at the park. The ball was switched over to the left and he was in splendid isolation. He got into the box and I just thought that, you know, he should have uh, done a lot better. But then, you know, it's 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 kind of as much as the attitude as well. It, you know, I didn't just see them. <clears throat> they need to really take the game to them. And, and, and I didn't see that um, happen. And that's the most disappointing part. I don't know whether there was a lack of energy, particularly in the second half. As, as I say, you know, you would have felt that they should have been bombarding them and, and camped in, in, in the Kerry half, and that didn't really happen. And a lot of times I felt that Kerry got out too easy. You know, when when Treaty did have the ball in the Kerry half and maybe had a, a the ball around the penalty box, Kerry seemed to get out very easy. And I suppose the best chance felt to Kerry in the last 20 minutes where Katsak, you know, he went clean through, showed a clean pair of heels and just hit the ball the wrong side of the post. And I think if that ball was on target, well, then bad and all as the point was, it could have ended up being zero points and three points for Kerry, which would have been a real bitter pill to take, you know, so early in the season. Yeah, I know that we we mentioned it. I mentioned it in one of my preview pieces that Leo Gaska was going to be uh, an important player for Kerry. He was on the night, no, as you say, he probably could have got the winner or definitely a second goal anyway for Kerry. Uh, with that chance, he did look lively. He did set up the first goal as well, which I suppose from a, from a 3D point of view, no, it was a slow start, but uh, originally, but you know, it was a disappointing goal to concede. We know Ben Reardon had a tough night at the office. He was taken off at half time and replaced by by Mark Walsh at right back. But Mark Walsh was playing in midfield. Um, Alec Byrne had come on later in the game as well. Um, Colin Conroy came on for. Ben O'Reardon, but he was beaten quite easily down the left-hand side, and then Sean Kennedy was more alert, maybe, than Mark Ludden at the front post, at the prod home, which, I suppose, you know, obviously, it was a disappointing way. Any goal is disappointing to concede, no, but it was a, a bit disappointing. Yeah, look, and I think from the first night, I mentioned it after the Bray game, you know, that it looked like that our full-backs were very exposed. Um... I felt the same against Galway. You know, we mentioned Rona Manning here last week and Ed McCarthy and 
you know, the two dominant nights they had, you know, maybe not 90 minutes of dominance, but certainly they had their periods of, their periods of dominance. And uh, I think it is a bit of a worry when, you know, we are talking about Kerry. And my sum up of them early was I thought they had, you know, I thought the there was Kennedy who played well, Gaxt, obviously. You know, we spoke about Matt Keane, knew he was going to have a good game. He played well. Um, but overall, I felt that they had three or four weak players as well. Kerry, you know, that obviously are new to this level. And, you know, I thought that overall, Treaty should have been stronger than them, you know, with the experience they have. Yet they couldn't convert that superiority into results. But once again, you know, we're talking about the Treaty fullbacks and the, the right side in particular. um, And just how easy that they got down there. You know, particularly uh, in a turnover of possession, like I said, you know, they, they just seemed to get out very easy. There was one pass and they were out. And next thing, they were running at the treaty fullbacks. On this side, I think it was more down the treaty right side, maybe, than Mark Ludden's side. I know you talk about the cross coming from, from, from the opposite side. And here we are, three games in, and we've had three different right backs, which is, you know, probably not really where you want to be. And, you know, you just wonder what was happening in pre-season and maybe it might it might have been better maybe to go to Shamrock Rovers, you know, with a with a first team rather than an under nineteen team and try and, you know, sort some of these issues out. But uh, it certainly is a worry now going into this game. Um and uh we need to come up with a solution fairly quick, you know, for a consistent back four because even if you went back, you know, to the season before last and you know that the the thing we spoke about every week was the kind of solid defence, um, bar a nod glitch maybe from Charlie Fleming, but certainly this year already, you know, it does look a little bit ropey at the back. Yeah, and I suppose in, in terms of preparing for, for Cove, Noel, um, that's, that is obviously an issue. Um, it's hard to judge Mark Walsh, Noel, at right back, because when he went in there after about five minutes, Kerry went down to 10 men and, and you know, it, it was just hard to judge it on, on that particular maybe 25 minute half an hour period um but you know do you think going into this game that it's something he could do Tommy Barrett in playing Mark Walsh at right full and then joining Alec Byrne uh the, the former Corkman who did come on in with Lee Devitt into midfield yeah I think there's a good chance of that I think from what I've seen of Mark Walsh I don't think he'd let you down no matter where you put him to be fair to him um certainly maybe the four defensive positions and probably centre midfield and right midfield. You know, if you were playing against a team that were going to have a lot of possession, I don't think that he would disappoint you. He looks the obvious choice now. And I think you're right. It was certainly hard to judge him when, when Kerry went down to 10 men, but I've never seen him really have, you know, what I consider to be a really bad game. Um, I thought Alec Byrne might've started against Kerry. Um, I thought, you know, once again, we're talking about Matt Keane having a good game and, it's another worry for Treaty in terms of the opposition midfielders seem to be doing very well. Um, I thought it would have been a good game to start him. Look, it isn't that, you know, it's his debut. He's not like the Kerry guys, whatever. He's plenty of experience in the league. He knows what it takes to win a league. And um, I think it would be a good idea to start him on Friday night to try and get a semblance of control because I think what he did try to do was he certainly tried to to get things going and move the team forward. I saw him at one stage playing out on the right, I think, but he obviously saw the need, you know, that that they needed to get a bit of width, particularly against 10 players to try and get um, 
a couple of decent balls in the box. So um, I would expect him to start, and I think himself and Lee David will do quite well. It would be nice to see Treaty at home, maybe to control the ball a little bit more and maybe recycle the ball a little bit more. I think Mark Walsh, you know, in the short term, certainly is probably our best bet at right back, and um, it certainly is a big game. Yeah, it certainly is, Noel. And as I said, I have watched Wexford, uh, Wexford, so I have watched Cove against Wexford for a good majority and against Longford in recent weeks. There was 4 4 2, and as I said, they were quite direct in trying to get the ball forward to Darty and Ware with every opportunity, uh, particularly against Longford away from home, probably a ploy uh, away from home, obviously, uh, from Coleman's Park. But um, you were saying there you'd like to see Treaty, obviously, you know, maybe dominate the ball a bit more than, than, than usual. Um, and, and I suppose. If Cove do come with that mindset of you know trying to keep a clean sheet, but also giving you the, the ball back, because if they do lump balls forward to Aweru and uh, Jack Doherty, you are hoping that Anto O'Donnell with his physicality will be able to mop up most things. So then you know I suppose the emphasis is on the likes of your Lee Debits and maybe uh, likes of an Alec Byrne and and Connor Barry who played in the number ten to you know dictate affairs. Then yeah, I think they will have one more though actually as well. Won't they in midfield if that is the way Cove play again? Yeah, and I think like you are right, and you would expect like it would be meat and drink to the treaty back four, and not just the centre backs, but we're having Mark Walsh right back and Mark Ludden as left back. Mm-hmm. Long high balls are certainly meat and drink to them, and that's never our, our our worry. It's our worry when someone is running at them with the ball, if you like, and with someone like Alec Byrne in the middle, and you know Lee David, you'd expect him to try and pick up a few second balls and get the ball to Alec Byrne. He's probably a player that we haven't really had. Uh, in the middle of the park and um, you know he, he may be what Endicorn needs as well and, and you're right and Endicorn is is off the mark now with a goal and he'll be he'll be determined to score at home as well and with someone like Alec Byrne on the pitch um, he may just give him the ammunition that um, he's he's just really looking for Yeah absolutely um, football is such a fickle game as we know Noel so you get a you get three uh, games without a win and you know there's a bit of supporter unrest, even though considering how well it's been for the last two years, you know that as well as anyone. But, um, you know, Tommy Barrett has said that a couple of times in interviews that, and, and it has been true, if you think about it, Treaty have got off the mark early in their last few seasons in terms of victories the last couple of seasons. And it has, you know, I suppose, been a relief to them, you know, that, that monkey's off your back. You're now going into the game against Cove and this is your fourth game in front of your own supporters. And if you don't get the victory, you know, the, the pressure just grows. So they will be, you know, they will be really hoping uh, to get off the mark now against Cove. There's no doubt. Well, look, we spoke about momentum. I think we speak about it every year. It's really, really important. Um, Look, the supporter unrest won't be really bothering the treaty players, but they'll be desperate to get off the mark as well. Like they're not traveling here, you know, to to lose every week. And, you know, they've they've had a couple of years of relative success as well. And they'll, you know, they'll want to be in that top five. And it said it is certainly a different a different division this year. Um there was certainly kind of a, a split the last couple of years and the split is harder to see now. Um it's more blurred if you like. And uh it it is going to be competitive and you certainly don't want to be cut adrift, you know, so early in the season. Um, at the moment, if you're looking at it, there is, and I know Tommy says this all the time, but particularly now with that carry game out of the way, there's certainly no easy games coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, every team seems to be competitive. Um, I suppose, except for Finn, you know, for Finn Harps, they look like there might have been a team that it wouldn't have been any harm to play at the start of the season. But sometimes you find yeah. a team is struggling, you know, in the first couple of games. But I, but by the time you meet them, they're 
they're up and running. So um, look, they're at home. Um, it's Cove. I know they brought in a few players, but Treaty have a lot of really good players. I'm sure Shane Keegan would would swap uh, a few Cove players for Endicorn in a heartbeat. You know, so there's still a lot to be positive about, but I think they certainly have to play in the front foot and maybe not be as as kind of um, standoffish, for want of a better word, or passive as as I thought they were last week. They need to grab this game by the scruff of the neck and go on the front foot and try and get an early goal and uh, put a few doubts into the core players' minds. Yeah, we certainly do need to, to see that from Treaty, and we hope we do see that from Treaty. They've normally responded in the past uh, when their backs have been against the wall, so this will be a, a big test for them, obviously. And Noel, just look at another couple of the results. You've obviously already alluded to uh, Cove Rambler has drawn nil all away at Longford. You had Finn Harps drawing one all with Bray Wonders. Um, Finn Harps took the lead in that one. Harry Groom got an equaliser for Bray. Um, also, you had Wexford getting off the, the mark with a 3 0 victory over Athlone. Uh, Aaron Robinson and Aaron Dobbs on the score sheet. Robinson got two goals in that game. He'll be a big player for Wexford, you'd imagine, like he was for Longford last year. I suppose a, a huge win as well for John Caulfield. And his Galway side, Vincent Bordon, getting on the score sheet, that's three goals in three games for him away at Waterford. That was a big win, although obviously, you know, it is early in the season. Any big takeaways for any of those results, Noel? No, I think it's a really big win for, you know, for Galway. Um, I thought it was very important for them to get a good start because of all the negativity that we spoke about, you know, at the end of last season. And, you know, I think if they had a bit of a glitch, if they had a kind of a treaty start, I think, the pressure on them would be absolutely immense. And look, you have to hand it to them. They went down to uh, to Waterford to kept a clean sheet. And, you know, I, I, I just saw the goal, actually. And, you know, it was a decent header at the back post. But then you'd wonder why, you know, teams don't still have players on the, on the back and the front post for corners um, just to make those goals a little bit smaller. Um, but look, a great win for them. Um, I see that the... At lone title challenge has evaporated a little bit with their with their 3-0 defeat to, to Wexford, and that'll be a big boost to them as well. I'm sure that James Kelly was feeling a bit of pressure there as well. Um, didn't get the start they wanted, but no, they're three points. And as I said, it's it's all about momentum and the games are going to be so competitive and there's going to be there's so little between maybe six or seven of the teams that it really will be hard to predict. But that momentum is certainly going to be very important and keeping your top players fit will, will be very important as well. 